This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. We love our fathers on this day, Father's Day. So, amen. I want to render a word yet in our spiritual maturity series. And we're going to be in First Kings. You got to go back to the Old Testament. You're going to talk about fatherhood. And then we're going to look at Proverbs. A good Father's Day, you need some Proverbs. Amen. So, Father God, we ask that you will, oh God, let your spirit rule and reign in me, in us. Help us breathe freshly upon us the breath of life. Give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Help us to accept the truths that the Holy Spirit will reveal from the word of God. For this, we will be forever thankful and bless and praise your name. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. First Kings three verses one through 14. I'm going to read those really quick. Uh, this is about Solomon asking for wisdom. And in Proverbs 16, I'll be there also. So we look at first Kings three, one through 14 in the NIV version. Uh, Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because a temple had not been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense in the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. 
Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Now we go to uh, Proverbs 16, verse 3, one of my favorites in the ESV version. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Thank God. You know, God's holy word, I say holy because when we take the whole word, amen, and leave it whole, it remains the holy word, amen. (laughs) So God's holy word has uh, the meaning and is my lamp uh, for every step that I take as a man, as a father, and it is a beam of light for what I have to face ahead. And uh, I admonish all fathers with this message, with that wisdom, this divine wisdom and power in my life as a fatherly minister has blessed me to be progressive and also proactive in Jesus's name. See, I'm on the cutting edge because the flesh thinks it knows and people who live by the flesh think they know more than someone who's Uh, following after what seems to be uh, too strict of rules and a lifestyle to follow. And uh, we may not seem, um, you know, worldly enough. We don't know a lot. And uh, we look as if we are dumb cornballs or whatever. But you know what? There is a greater wisdom if you Uh, are seated at the right hand of the throne of God where his joint heirs are in mind and spirit, we can look and see that God's plan has a greater, higher purpose, and the creator God has an intended purpose, and those who are not walking therein have now uh, become rebels. So you may think you're smarter, but you're really thrilling and killing yourself. But uh, to walk in the wisdom of God will lead you beside still waters and green pastures. It will restore your soul the way it ought to be restored. And uh, this is the wisdom and knowledge that I have walked in. Uh, God has admonished for me to walk in. I'm not saying that I walked in it perfectly. Uh, Those times when there were footprints in the sand that were single, uh, that was when Jesus was carrying me. Amen. And he put me back down to let me practice what he has taught me. And I have to make approximations as a learner does. A teacher will allow such things, but they are close by so that the person won't hurt themselves. Amen. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) But uh, fathers, we shouldn't rely solely on earthly wisdom and greatness as our means of victory. Uh, Paternal victory is only in and through Jesus. So we are worshipers because of him, and we worship the gift giver, not his gifts. Amen. The eternal gift giver seeks our fellowship to share in purposeful profession 
not heartless confession. So let's all remember on this day, fatherly wisdom without holiness causes unfaithfulness to God. I want to talk about that today. Fatherly wisdom without holiness causes unfaithfulness to God. Thank God. Now, we're going to look at the purpose of this message. Uh, according to the scriptures read, they were strategic. Uh, first, we find in First Kings, evangelistically speaking, the purpose is to show how fathers can choose against the uh, redemptive love of the creator because God gave us free will. But you know what? That ultimately brings us to an eternal ruin which was made for the devil and his fallen disciples. Uh, and also in Proverbs, we find the following ancient but yet relevant purposes as prophetically penned by King Solomon, eight of them, to enable the readers to learn and apply the fear of the Lord in their lives, to, to provide skill for living successful uh, living uh, from the two perimeters of natural order and God's word. See, we increase in stature and in favor with God and man. See, uh, three, to know wisdom and instruction, to receive teaching in wise dealing, in righteousness, in justice and equity. Uh, five, to help the simple gain prudence, uh, you know, fidelity in life, being a trustworthy person and the uh, youth that they would gain knowledge and discretion. This quality is one of those paternal qualities. You are a pillar in society, uh, ever challenging youth for a better life. Amen. Six, to increase learning and to acquire skill in understanding. Seven, to understand proverbs, parables, wise sayings, and riddles, the mysteries of the Bible. Amen. The Holy Ghost helps you. You have to have a Holy Ghost life for that. And number eight, to learn the fear of the Lord. See, we prioritize honoring God. That's what that is. Now, the Spirit revealed to me how the enemy uses secular culture to pull fathers away uh, from the cultivation of fellowship with the one and true living God. And his name is who? Jesus. Amen. He's always pulling us. The enemy knows that Jesus's main MO is to build us up inside out, which will preserve a holy culture and posterity. Posterity is what we leave behind in the next generations, that which should help and not hurt. Amen. Uh, it's the heart that Jesus is after for our eternal good. But the enemy works to block our redemptive opportunity to have unadulterated fellowship with our creator. The trick of the enemy is to draw our attention to fulfilling the desires of our innately separated unregenerated heart with self-centered, self-indulgent, and self-fulfilled work. The devil will work you to your grave, work you away from God, work you away from your loved ones. My God. Since we must work, then we should watch out for such tendencies 
uh, based on the temptation of the flesh to uh, justify egocentric measures of entitlement. He'll make you feel like you should have these things going on in your life. So the holy counsel of the heavenly father uh, of Jesus and the Holy Spirit uh, has ordained work as the tie that should bind our hearts together in agape and not eros. In loving others greater than you love yourself instead of self-gratification. In having delayed gratification instead of getting what you want whenever you want it, whenever you feel like it. It should be about the common good of all, not uh, of our sole propriety. A sole propriety uh, renders us egocentric and self-indulgent. So the fellowship of our triune God should help us to see that is not how God intended for us to live. Uh, So God shows us how one should build up the other more than themselves. Be altruistic like Jesus. Doesn't mean you're a floor mat, but it means you do have to have joy. First Jesus, then others, then you. Amen. Joy. The balanced scales of social function become dysfunctional when one takes advantage over other folks. Uh, That is when eros is preferred over agape. The Hebraic tradition, um, the background origin of this idea of work, can be boiled down to one word that is inclusive of this holy process. It is a word that caused Solomon to summon the attention of God. The result of this holy uh, solicitation was the very gift of godly judgment. The kind of thinking that seeks the truth instead of evading it, having a tongue in cheek, trying to avoid saying or, you know, revealing certain things, you know, having a cloak and dagger kind of existence. But um, God wants us to honor and preserve righteousness instead of perverting and destructing it. So the kind of uh, holy process God has boiled down in one word is called chokmah. God's gift of wisdom, chokmah. And as Dr. Teverberg and Akima of the Engedi Research Center, these Hebraic fellows, reveal in a book called Listening to the Language of the Bible, hearing it through Jesus' ears, quote, we as Westerners think of wisdom as being able to think great thoughts. We think of the wise philosopher as being the opposite of the manual laborer who pounds nails or paints walls. But interestingly, in Hebrew, the same word, hokmah, is used to describe both. The Bible speaks of people who are skilled laborers as those who have, quote unquote, wise hearts. We see this term applied to the skilled laborers who built the tabernacle. And also in the, in, the, in the verses of scripture, every skilled woman, uh, literally with a wise heart, you know, chokmah, spun with their hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen in uh, Exodus 35. So uh, we see there the word chokmah, describes the ability to function successfully in life, whether it is by 
having the right approach to a difficult situation or the ability to weave cloth. <laughs> Same word. It is practical and applicable to this world, not just in glory and in the uh, spiritual world. Uh, Judaism has historically held manual labor in high regard rather than disdaining it as unspiritual. It was said that when a great rabbi entered a room, people were to stop what they were doing and rise to honor him. But carpenters or other craftsmen did not need to stop because their work was just as honorable. This is part of the Hebraic uh, affirmation of day-to-day life in this present world. We can learn a lot of wisdom from the Hebraic word for wisdom. As Westerners, we tend to believe that God is only involved in our spiritual activities, such as Bible study or prayer, etc. We imagine that the rest of our tasks are secular and not God's concern. This is what causes men to compartmentalize. It's a male temptation kind of thing. We compartmentalize. We can be a whoremonger here and there and come home and be the greatest father in the universe all of a sudden, my God. But that is not how God wants us to live. God said a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all their ways. Ah, see? But here we learn that biblically, it is considered wisdom to do our jobs well, no matter what they are, using a photocopier, programming a computer, running a lawnmower, or even doing custodial work. We can see from the word hokmah, as well as uh, from the rest of Proverbs, that uh, all of our day-to-day lives are of concern to the Lord. God cares Uh, about whether we are a good teacher in school, second grade teacher in my case, or systems analyst, perhaps, or checkout clerk, my God. God is practical and down to earth. He cares about our credit card debt. Yes, he does. He cares about whether our house is a chronic mess or about how much we watch television. He cares about it all. My God. His desire is that we have wisdom in all things in order to live the life he gave us uh, to the very best in excellence. Uh, The hakmah God is willing to give us is meant to be used skillfully in his kingdom, prudently and for his glory. This is all from these gentlemen from the Engedi Research Center. And I end the quote there. I also agree with uh, one of the greatest, uh, he's gone on to glory now since 2021, I found out, uh, late great Bible teacher and Christian psychologist, Dr. Larry Crabb. We had a book or two Uh, that he wrote that we had in Bible studies here in this church. Amen. 
So uh, I agree with him in about how he wrote that God intended for us to receive and believe according to what uh, I am going to call the 12 wisdom keys of spiritual victory. They reveal God's redemptive work done, which gives us the opportunity to be spiritually victorious over the ever-present deluge of Luciferian doctrines. We know that there are doctrines of devils in our culture. We see them broadcasted out. My God. And uh, these teachings are overwhelmingly contaminating our postmodern culture. So let's look at the 12 wisdom keys of spiritual victory against such tidings. Number one. We tend to make Solomon's mistake of management over holiness. We're in constant danger of losing our center. Uh, The center of our joy should be who? Jesus, right? We could lose our center as Solomon lost his. When that happens, things spin out of control. Solomon started, you know, uh, worshiping idols with the many wives that he married. They brought with them their baggage and a lot of their baggage had idols in them. My God. And he followed suit right with them from the bedroom to the other high place in the hills. My God. He left Blueberry Hill and went to the high hill of idolatry. My God. Uh, Here's wisdom key number two. In God, our needs are prioritized over our feelings, but our own MO tends to work vice versa, our feelings over our need for holiness. We cannot live by our feelings. We'll be on a roller coaster ride all the time, sometimes up, sometimes down, sometimes level to the ground. But God will keep us stationed. Amen. He will plant our feet on a solid ground, amen, and make us to be rooted and grounded in what? Truth. Thank God. Number three, wisdom key number three for victories, for spiritual victory. Three is uh, the gist of how we solicit God's ear is this quote, God, I need to know how to manage my life better so I can deal with headaches and hurting friends and in disappointing uh, Christians in ways that please you and keep me sane. In Jesus' name, amen. End quote. But God is screaming out a big loving caution to us of how that was Solomon's mistake. Manage things well to be a good juggler of mayhem. No, God says, put the toys of mayhem down and let's look to holiness, amen. Number four, we can also hear God saying, quote, there are many things I want you to understand as you read this book of Proverbs. The most important thing to understand from Proverbs is this, your desire to be effective, to depend on biblical principles for success in your family, church, career, and friendships can be legitimately strong. But when that desire is stronger than your desire to be holy and to depend on my power through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, for becoming more like my son, Jesus, uh, then you will not advance my plan. 
No matter how carefully you follow my principles or how much uh, apparent success you enjoy, uh, and you'll be especially vulnerable to serious sin. So you must always walk in the spirit, end quote. Wisdom key for spiritual victory number five. Solomon's desire to be effective in handling all that life threw at him was stronger than his desire to be holy in the middle of his difficult challenges. Uh, That was Solomon's mistake. God is saying, quote, when efficient management, especially when you're good at it, trumps holy living. The lack of holiness is either not recognized or it is not seen as a terribly serious problem. Compromise, including using illegitimate pleasure to relieve stress, feels warranted. People with little concern for holiness often manage their families well. They sometimes lead uh, ministries well-televised and well-known and such. And many are successful in their careers. But the center of my plan has nothing to do with their well-managed families, ministries, or careers. When the center of my plan is not the center of your hope, your interior world is unstable and your soul is weakened, end quote. This is why God will utter and he will be right when he says it. Depart from me, I would know you not, you worker of iniquity. My God. Number six, God says, quote, consider this. Solomon's priority on power made him vulnerable to the demand for pleasure. The power to manage life well never fills the depths of one's soul. It never provides the deep satisfaction I made you to enjoy. Without the hope of holiness, filling your soul, uh, the need to fill yourself with something will lead to compromise that will seem necessary, even wise. Solomon married many foreign women and effectively managed those relationships by giving their false gods a place in Israel's worship. My God. And that's how he messed up. He brought in idolatry in the midst of God's holy kingdom. Isn't that something? Number six, my God, needs to be considered highly. So many are effective managers, but they think that's anointing. That is not holy hokmah. My God, you could do that in a secular humanistic world, be successful that way. Uh, I don't know about you, but I want to walk a holy life through living a spiritual life. That means walk in the spirit. And God will not cause you to negate what you need to do on the earth. Because before he left, he showed care of what happens on the earth. He said, this is your mother. Brothers, this is your mother. Take care of her, you know, because he knows he has to go on and do other things. And uh, she needs to be taken care of. My God, that shows the great leadership qualities of Jesus. He looks with compassion and sees the need. He feels it out. So when a good leader is doing that, don't think of him or her as being nosy. Little birdie told me, amen. Amen. Not here to harm anybody. Amen. I have a good report. Amen. I haven't raped anybody. Amen. I haven't stolen from anybody. Amen. Haven't taken advantage of any elderly person. Hallelujah, God. Haven't taken advantage of any woman, any child. My God. 
upstanding in God's kingdom. God, amen. I devote my life to you. Hallelujah. Thank God. Hallelujah. Number seven, we're in the middle. See, uh, here's the key we need. A quote, God is still talking. It was that one sin, you know, bringing idolatry in, uh, which was fertilized in Solomon's desire for wisdom to make his life work. Uh, That caused a split in his soul and in the kingdom. So when you have a split in your soul, you're going to have a split in your home. You have a split in your soul and your mind, you're going to have a split in your church. My God. Some folks are churchy and uh, some are worldly. The worldly church members are picking on the churchy ones. And sometimes the churchy ones are wearing a cloak of maliciousness and uh, they're going around thinking they're more holier than thou. And God doesn't like either. Amen. He wants us to build each other up in the what? Most holy faith. So worldly folks, get your mind right. Amen. Churchy folks who have a high mind, get your mind right too. Hallelujah. God is in the middle trying to balance everything out. Amen. Level the playing field and get us to do right for him and bring glory to his name. Not disdain on his name. Hallelujah. Thank God. And I don't like when fleshly folk, amen, are demeaning the vernacular of those who are trying to walk a holy life and they, they live and breathe God and live and breathe the Holy Ghost, live and breathe the revealed truth from the word of God. So out of their mouth will flow what? Rivers of what? Living water. Don't call my living water from the Holy Ghost something that, amen, is not cool, something that is not acceptable, something that is not tolerated by your secular humanistic tendencies. Amen. I am what I am and I'm not ashamed of what I am. I live for Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank God. And God said, yes, you're going to be persecuted for righteousness. You should be thanking God because God is happy with you. Amen. Thank God anyway. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God. We don't want to split in our mind. Solomon faced challenges in his life just like we do and perhaps a whole lot more. But because he wanted to manage them effectively uh, more than he wanted to be holy in the middle of them, his success began to deteriorate and it did disintegrate. Amen. And it became, amen, something that you would call a a failure. My God, his son, Rehoboam, following in his father's footsteps, uh, which were foolish, was more interested in managing his inadequacies than becoming holy. And he ended up becoming a fool. Jeroboam, whom uh, Solomon had appointed secretary of labor, turned against him and led a rebellion that divided the kingdom. Why? Because Solomon had a divided mind. My God. Here's number eight. God is still talking. He says, know this. Prioritizing managerial efficiency over personal holiness opens the door to sin spinning out of control. Jeroboam, who committed that same sin, reduced worship to mere convenience. And I think the devil is using this tool uh, during um, COVID, you know, when the church doors close and everybody's zooming, you know, uh, you know, having media used in worship. And I know some people are doing it. It becomes background music while we're barbecuing in the backyard. We're still at church, quote unquote. My God, 
One of my family members did that in another state. Oh, I'm going to tune in. I'm going to tune in. And I could hear them in the background in their backyard barbecue saying, pass another brewski. My God, what in the world is going on? Hey, what's going on? There's nothing new under the sun. It happened in Solomon's kids' days. Jeroboam, because he was a double mind now, he caused the kingdom to have a double mind. He wanted the people to have convenience in worship. He placed two golden calves within the um, boundaries of his part of the divided kingdom, telling the people he was making it easier for them to, quote, get to church. When all he was really doing was keeping them from traveling to Rehoboam's territory in Jerusalem and perhaps losing their allegiance. This is what pastors are doing. There's a tug of war today with allegiance of folk and they don't want their folk going anywhere. Lest they say so. There's a lot of things wrong with that and there's some things right with it. I mean, you should have a protocol. You tell your job where you are. Amen. We should be telling our leaders where we are, amen, because they have um, biblical rule over your soul, not as a tyrant, but because they have, amen, been placed as someone who's spiritually watching over you. And if they don't teach you right, they're going to be blamed. Uh, Whether you receive it or not, they got to teach right. And it's not on them. But if they could have did it and didn't do it, the blood is on their hands and they have to do it right. We have to be pastors after God's heart. We have to have the compassionate heart of God, the compassionate eyes and ears and feelings of God. Hallelujah. We can't be how Jeroboam and Rehoboam were doing, just playing tug of war with folks, amen, and trying to have a fancy place to keep them mesmerized and and glued in and uh, romancing them so that there's no place like our place. Nobody could do it like we can do it. Maybe others could do it better, but if God placed you here, that's where you ought to be, amen. One time, one of my dads, Reverend Dr. Uh, Robert L. Norris, he said, uh, if this place was like you, what kind of place would it be? My God, if people came to church like you, how would the church be? If people were a church member like you, what kind of church would we have? Amen. We got to put into the church what it ought to have and stop just plopping down and waiting and looking. Hallelujah. Like you in some restaurant or something. God said, roll up your sleeves. It's time to work. Work for there's going to come a time when it's too late and you can't work. You better work while it's what day. God is saying, I didn't crack the sky yet. You're supposed to be working, baby. Get off your blessed assurance and get to work in Jesus' name. Hallelujah anyway. Oh, hallelujah. Number nine, uh, both Rehoboam's southern kingdom of two tribes, which were called Judah, and uh, Jeroboam's northern kingdom of ten, uh, known as Israel, began a downward decline from the glory days of Solomon to terrible days of captivity and exile. See, both of them experienced that. The lesson to be learned here uh, from the wisest of fathers who became the greatest of fools is this leadership without a priority concern for personal holiness over effective management at best produces only outward success. 
It fails to engage the real battle in the souls of fathers and those who are going to be fathers between losing our life for God or gaining our life without God. I don't want to gain life, what? Without God. I'm really lost without hope, and I just don't know it because the devil got me blindfolded. But when the devil and uh, all of his cohorts, now I have the naked truth of what they have caused, the wages of sin, uh, death then will be surrounded everybody. Then you will see, but then it will be too late. But God doesn't play unfair. He lets you see all along and lets you sense. God put that sense and sensibility in each and every one of us, which is why folks have guilt. But some folks begin to have this demonic kind of quality. They believe a lie. They cause lies and live by them. And they believe lies as though the lie is the truth. But that's a long journey and you could get there if you allow the devil to keep leading you there. Keep tolerating, keep tolerating, keep tolerating until now it's a tower of Babel. My God. And now you are so far away from God. You have tried to build your own way outside of God. And it's only going to lead to eternal damnation, confusion all along the way, and then eternal damnation. God does not want that for anybody. He wants us all to live right, to go away from the evil, cling to that which is good. He's not coddling our sins when he says he loves everybody. He wants everybody to come in. But to come in, you got to get rid of that which is unseemly in the presence of God. You got to get right. Hallelujah. Number 10, what else is God saying in 1 Kings? Uh, Quote, I could not let this stage of affairs go unaddressed. So I raised up Elijah, an irritating misfit in the religious culture of Israel under Ahab, the worst of all Israel's kings, who was also a father. You must be prepared. If you challenge mere effective leaders by the standards of holiness, you will not be well received. I know that personally. Amen. Back to what God is saying. John the baptizer was regarded as strange. Remember that? My son was declared a heretic. Yes, Jesus was declared a heretic. Follow in their ways, God is saying. I don't think many want to do that, right? Pick up your cross. Well, that hurts. There's splinters in my back. Pick it up. I didn't say about the splinters. I said pick it up. Amen. (laughs) Thank God. Follow in their ways. Value spiritual formation above successful management. It will cause the need to fight the good fight of faith. And what do I always say? If you're not fighting, you are falling. My God. Number 11, almost done. Solomon uh, would have benefited from what God said through James. Not my father, but the book of James. Amen in the Bible. (laughs) Quote, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come to you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. If you don't know what you're doing, 
pray to the Father. He loves to help. In quote, James 1, verses 2 through 4. That's from the Message Bible. It helps you to understand it better, right? Sometimes we read that scripture, we have no complete clue of what it actually means. But God is helping us to practice our faith. Amen. Faith without works is what dead. You don't even live it. Amen. So when we go through things, we don't always uh, need to be praying, oh, take this away, Lord. I mean, you could start out that way, but you better end like Jesus. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Don't just say, take it away, Lord, if it's possible, take it away. At least Jesus had wisdom for that, right? If it's possible, take it away. He said, but nevertheless, not my will. See, that was the God man. We heard man talking, but we heard God fill it up, amen, with the correct way, amen. We start out hearing him, you know, kind of sounding like us, but then, no, 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 God said, no, 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 I know you are weak and wayward in that sin thing, but no, you don't have to fall. God is telling us we don't have to fall. There's better for us, thank God. Which is why we have number 12, the last one. God promises to give fathers the wisdom they need. How many of you out there, because I said it takes a village, not just fathers, because fathers are connected to mothers. Amen. Mothers are connected to children, children to society. It's all of us. So God promises to give all of us the wisdom we need. How about that? That wisdom will not always make things go as they should or as we may want them to go, but it makes us develop as we should develop and as God wants us to develop. Amen. It's all about heaven's priority. Amen. So fathers and fatherly men. You know, we don't have to make Solomon's mistake of seeking to perfect the management of life's formidable passes. God goes after our hearts to renew our hearts according to his eternal purpose. We have to be renewed. Amen. So if his plan is not the center of our hope, our interior world will always be unstable. And our soul will ever stumble in weakness. The enemy is always lurking about, ready to blame God and his holy plan. When all the while, the dark deceit of hell is the origin of failure. Let's be encouraged to listen to the father of lights, not the father of lies, who is the devil. The father of lights is our heavenly father. Wherein there is no variableness, nor what shadow of turning. Hallelujah. Jesus wants to give us uh, the gift, amen, of his holy wisdom, which enables us to go through trials and temptation without sin, maintaining a holy life of wisdom, the chokmah of heaven, by his spirit. Amen. Fatherly wisdom without holiness causes unfaithfulness to God. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. 
To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you. Thank you.